0: Hello and welcome to the latest instalments of the Empire of the Cop podcast. Uh, with us here today, we've got our very own Peter Kenny Jones, uh, regular friend of the show, Steve Carson, and I'll be your host, Farrell Keeling. Uh, I don't know why I said regular. You're, you're anything but regular, Steve. You're a pleasure to have here, as ever. Uh, just to kick things off with you, how are you feeling about all the stuff around Jude Bellingham? Because we've obviously got that athletic uh, report that came out uh, from James Pearce and one of the uh, Manchester United uh, writers whose name is escaping me at the moment. And it's a uh, hundred. £31.6 million. Uh, That's the asking price that Borussia Dortmund have set for their star, teenage prodigy, Jude Bellingham. That's, of course, if he wants to go, if he's agitating for a move in the summer, because there's going to be a lot, a lot of clubs. I really cannot emphasise that enough. A lot of clubs interested in Jude Bellingham, uh, of the likes of Chelsea, Manchester City, um, Real Madrid, and, of course, ourselves at Liverpool. uh, is that is that fee prohibitive? Do you reckon, or can you just sort of see Liverpool being willing to pay that much for uh, Bellingham? I think it's
1: a difficult one because, like you say, there's so many teams that are interested in Bellingham, and it's it's obviously football's worst kept secret that Liverpool is one of those teams. And um, there's no surprise. I mean, if Liverpool consider themselves one of the best teams in the world, which you know, obviously we should be doing, and um, we should be interested in the best players, the best young players, players like Jude Bellingham. So you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the problem with the price that Dortmund wants is it's probably the price that Dortmund will get because of the teams that are interested, all these high profile teams that, you know, have spent this money in the past. You know, they're not going to, we're not going to be in a position really where we can bargain. So they name their price and then it's up to us if we want him that much or we walk away. You know, Jurgen Klopp um, has obviously got certain targets that he wants and, you know, FSG have shown in the past that the right person. As long as, you know, the price is right, they will get the right man at maybe the cost of being a little bit thin. Uh, obviously, we've got Arthur in the team now, which, you know, he's, he's a nice addition, but, you know, I think long term we are looking for, you know, Bellingham, someone of, of, of that calibre who could maybe slot into the team and be there for, you know, long term. S- something like Jordan Henderson when he joined the team over over 10 years ago, something like that. But, yeah, price is going to become a big factor there, but you know, there's no surprise that Liverpool are interested in the player like Bellingham, and it's just seeing it confirmed. It's just, it's just something we already knew. Um, you, you could put money on on Liverpool being interested in some of the best young players in the world, and obviously that's Bellingham.
0: So, absolutely. I mean, it's left some fans a little miffed a little pre-miffed ahead of the uh, the, the next summer window which of course is a very very long time away uh, we've still got the January window to come um, but you know we've got some comments sort of on Twitter for example of fans sort of saying well you know if the club could have reasonably gauged that um, this was roughly what Dortmund were going to want. I think, obviously, initially we were hearing fees of around £100 million. Um, and then you have to consider, of course, the potential impact of the World Cup. Um, he's, he's been tipped to play a big role uh, in, in Qatar for Gareth Southgate's uh, England side, which could then further inflate that asking price, which is, of course, you know perfectly within Dortmund's right to then demand an even bigger fee if he goes on to have an incredible campaign internationally. Um With that in mind, Pete, do do you think it's right for fans, I suppose, to feel a, a little miffed at the club not getting significant deals done in the summer? Or is it just the case of, you know, just as usual, the pool is limited in terms of the players we do want. It's not a case of the club not being ambitious enough. It's just the case of the targets not being available at the right time.
2: Yeah, well... It's obviously there's lots of conflicting and different reports. now you know, you, you said we were we were offering X amount for this player, X amount for that player. And obviously, think the main ones were that. If forgive me for saying it wrong, sure many, um, uh, Jude Bellingham obviously looked like someone we were trying to get as well. But there's obviously reasons that we didn't get each player. Some of it's financial, some of it's time, and and you know, there's there's so many players that we we could have bought, obviously. And there's a list of players that it looked like we were interested in. You know, we even about Valverde right at the end of the, the window. But you no, know, we don't have a blank cheque book, or we don't want to spend, just stupid amounts of money on players. We had players that we would have bought for a, a certain amount of money. You know, that that didn't happen for whatever reason, for however many players it was. We don't want to just get a stopgap, and obviously, we have in Arthur Mello, but we we haven't spent anything on them. You know, we've got them on a loan deal, and obviously it's... It's obviously cost us something in terms of the loan fee, but it for that calibre of player to to be able to get someone in for the amount of money that we've spent, then that's obviously the risk they're willing to take in terms of it wasn't worth going for another option spending 40 odd, 50 odd mil for a player that you know, we would have settled for instead of the 100 million pound player that we want in the likes of Shuameli, Bellingham, Valverde, whatever. So, you know, I don't think you can criticise the club too much for not just signing anyone, because if we sign anyone and they come in and they're terrible, then people go, what a waste of money that was. So, you know, it's, it just didn't work out for us, this summer in terms of getting the marquee midfielder. But, you know, I think by renewing James Milner's contract and not letting Oxlade-Chamberlain go, people will be happy with that. But I think that was our, our midfield signing. I've said it before. I think that was us backing ourselves up, saying, you know, this team was good enough to go two games away from winning a quadruple last year. So we'll just stick with what we've got, see if we can add something else, which we didn't, we we'll end up getting Arthur and we've we'll just got to go from possibly January or next summer and try and try and add there.
0: No, uh, well said. I mean, Arthur's an interesting one. He certainly made every effort on his end uh, to get sort of back up to speed in comparison to his teammates, his new club. And we'll get to that shortly when we're sort of looking at how Liverpool sort of going to function generally um, after the international break. Uh, But just finally, on on Jude Bellingham, Steve, I mean, I'm not so sure personally that even though it is a ginormous figure um, for a player of that calibre, but obviously when you're, when you're hearing comparisons to Gerard, to, to Paul Scholes even, um, and you're looking at the performances that he's delivering on a consistent basis. At the age of 19, we really have to emphasise that, um, internationally and domestically. It, they're perfectly within their rights to charge that amount. Um, I'm not sure if I personally believe it's massively prohibitive for Liverpool, in the sense that obviously we were prepared to pay roughly 80 to 90 million pounds for a really true many who obviously went to Real Madrid over Liverpool. 40 million is still quite a jump, of course. Um, but if you look at sort of the, how we, the business we've done this summer and what you'd argue, you know, because we were prepared to pay 64 million, potentially rise to 85 for Darwin Nunez, and then a further 80 million on a top class midfielder, it didn't happen, it wasn't the right time for it to happen, but then you you're looking at sort of the general sort of financial context of the club I think uh, the reports sort of surfacing around uh, Liverpool potentially posting record uh, revenue after the the COVID era uh, potentially 500 to 600 million um, which would be sort of records sort of profits for Liverpool does that then sort of open room next summer to to drop a significant fee like that would that be sort of Liverpool's business as it was, or could you see that sort of expanding beyond Bellingham hypothetically if Liverpool were to land his signature?
1: I think it would be unusual for Liverpool to get multiple marquee signings in one window because we don't we don't typically get a marquee sign in every window anyway, uh, certainly not every summer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not outside of the realms of possibility that Liverpool would go and spend over £100 million on Bellingham, you know, and... Um, for FSG, for all their faults and all their benefits, they've shown over the years that if Jurgen Klopp wants a specific player and, you know, it's financially possible, they'll do it. And if Liverpool have that sort of positive turnover that you just referred to there, then, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the club generates the money. You know, FSG have shown that they're not too tight when it comes to investing into the squad. Um, You know, there's definitely been times where they've shown some restraint, but, you know... It's 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 difficult. You can't the, the way that we've we've branded ourselves in the last few years, up to you know, decade, is, is that we've been quite um, shrewd in the transfer market. Like some of our best players have been brought in on you know very small amounts of money. Look at Joel Matip. Look at Andy Robertson. Look at James Milner. These are some of our most important players over the last few years. And they came in on you know very small amounts of money, so the the club is very shrewd, and I think it allows for the larger transfers like Darwin Nunez and you know players of that caliber. Virgil Van Dijk is another example. I mean, they've came from sales, but you know this is how a successful club operates. You know, if you, if you look over the park, uh, well, not over the park, up the motorway to Manchester United. I mean, obviously, it's a very different story there. But yeah, I mean, you know, if if Jurgen Klopp wants Bellingham and you know FSG go right okay so we can make the funds available i don't see i don't see why not um yeah i mean it's you know Virgil van Dijk we we really didn't expect them to spend that amount of money when when that was coming around and then yeah i mean FSG have shown that they are willing to spend money for the right person and that's always been the thing for you and club getting the right person and if that's Bellingham i think the club will do everything they possibly can to do it but obviously uh, if in twelve months Bellingham is playing for Real Madrid, we'll obviously have a very different feel about it. But you'd have to think that Liverpool have got alternative targets. Like Pete said there about um, that French lad, you know he's a he's a prime example. Obviously that seems to be a player that the club heavily wanted in, in, in the squad, and it came and went. But you know maybe Bellingham is the first choice, and, and and that's what's there. We don't know really what goes on behind the scenes, but yeah, I'm I'm not worried. Um, you know we've got Nunez in that's a great signing for the club we've got some players that have came in for the future and yeah I think we could be due a big marquee signing particularly in midfield next summer and all signs point to Bellingham so you know fingers crossed let's see what happens but regardless I've got faith in the recruitment team that will be absolutely fine
0: no, so you made the right point. A lot of the the best thing about Liverpool, I suppose, um, as far as fans are concerned, perhaps less so the journalists, is that we largely don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. It's, it's a very closed off shop, um, which often means that we do get these sort of surprise signings that can pop out of nowhere, or you get the the kind of signing like a, a Darwin Nunez, where there's Subtle hints, sort of there and here and there, sort of scattered about that there is interest and genuine interest at that, uh, which then leads to action. Uh, We'll see on the Bellingham front. Again, I don't think um, 100 plus 130 million should keep Liverpool out of the race at this stage, especially given the caliber of the talent we're talking about. And if you can realise that potential and the comparisons we're seeing to Legendary midfielders in the Premier League, I think, you know, 130 million. You're spreading that over 10, 10 or more seasons, really, aren't you? Um, which uh, then looks really a bargain. Um, just moving on quickly uh, to one of our very own. Of course, Darwin Nunez, who's enjoyed um, a mixed start to life in the Liverpool shirt. Not quite a disastrous start, the some have claimed. You know, obviously the three-game suspension did sort of mar that early sort of opinion of him. Um But from there, he seems to have attracted yet more criticism and, frankly, criticism bordering on um, online bullying at this point uh, from his international commitments with Uruguay. Uh, There's a footage going around, a video I'm sure everyone's seen at this stage of him taking a a shot in training, uh, which I think is evidently clear to anyone who actually properly looked at the video isn't a shot, but it's just a, a miscued cross. And obviously, he's been Slaughtered online for it. Everyone's talking about. Oh, it's a joke of a signing, and this, that, and the other. I mean, Pete, it's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about the compare. It always seems to be based off that sort of comparison to Erling Haaland, and everyone sort of pointing the finger and going, "Well, wow, the Liverpool fans," you said he was just as good as Erling Haaland, or this, that, and the other, um, completely ignoring the fact, of course, he's only had so many games in the shirt, and actually, his uh, I his goal contributions per appearances isn't isn't too shabby, I think, based on the start from the Community Shield, the goal in, the goal against Fulham. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, it, w- what do you make of it? Just yet more kind of, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Is, is it jealousy? Is it just point scoring? What? What is it?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, when you sign for, you know, obviously we know the fear around them is questionable or it's going up to, you know, a certain number that a lot of people like to use, but it's not there yet. But, Whatever it is, we spent a lot of money on him. He was always going to be under a lot of pressure. You know, the the list of reasons why, you know, he's he's replaced Mane, which we know he hasn't, Diaz has replaced Mane. But if you're coming from the outside, Liverpool have spent loads of money on on this lad who was relatively unknown. And, though, if we're all honest, we would have liked to have seen him score more goals. We would have liked to have seen him not headbutt someone against Crystal Palace. But, you know, I think when he's been on there, if if anything, he looks like he's trying too hard, looks too eager but we we've seen you know against City and the Community Shield sort of against Fulham and we've seen since he's come off the bench. So when he came off against Ajax, he, you know he nearly scored twice. He was really involved in the game. He he looks exciting every time he comes onto the pitch. And we've seen with a lot of signs that Klopp makes. He doesn't like just throwing the men straight away. And everyone goes to the Fabinho example and, and Robo that we didn't see them for months. You know maybe Klopp's put him in a bit earlier than he thought and you know, we didn't start against Napoli, didn't start against Ajax, so that's obviously telling, he's got some things to learn, but we signed a 23-year-old in a six-year deal, he was always going to be compared to Haaland, because it's Liverpool and Man City going for every competition, and they both bought a big, similar strikers, big, fast, look, at like they can bully defenders, our one hasn't done as well as City so far, but you know, he's, he's said himself, the abuse he's receiving, is it's just, it's it's absurd, really, isn't it? You know, as you say, if you watch the video, it doesn't play across, and it's in training. I don't understand why everyone's so bothered. I'm sure Erling Haaland's missed a pass in training, and, and no-one's that bothered. It's just, it's easy to laugh at someone. They've written a narrative, and that's what they're going to go for. You know, if he scores, if your ought to go out, everyone will say, oh, it's only an international match, who cares, blah, blah, blah. He... he it looks like he doesn't bother him, but he does bite back a little bit online. He just needs to, you know, wash over him, stop being so wound up. But he's on the pitch and just relax. You know, he, as I said, he's here for six years. There's no need to rush. We've all got his back, so yeah, I trust him. And yeah, as you say, it's just upsetting, but not surprising to see how he's being treated online.
0: That's the thing. I think you, you mentioned about him biting back. Then you can understand him getting a bit frustrated. You know, the man must receive it's just been endless stream of tags and comments about his performances, and you know, to, to have that reaction based off of some what's happening in a training session is absolutely ludicrous. You know, I can remember at the start of the season, Erling Haaland's Community shield performance, and obviously he's, since then he's gone on. He's had an absolute stormer of the league, and he's, he's proved all his detractors wrong. And you know, you'd expect Nunez to do that as well. You know. But for the the three game suspension that he was came his way, obviously for that ridiculous headbutt he did in the Crystal Palace game. I, I mean, Steve, there was another clip of him having another shot in Uruguay training. It's it's on target, keeper saves it. Um, he posted underneath it, sort of little a little sort of grinning emoji. I think a lot of people were right to go, oh, it's nothing to make of it. He's just commenting under his national team about an event in training. Um, I mean, I, I personally thought it was almost a. Very subtle dig at the, his critics, just to kind of go, "Well, look, I can, you know, I can actually shoot. I can <laughs> hit these on target." Um, but I, I think I think Pete's probably hit the nail on the head there. The best thing for him to do is sort of just get his head down, just ignore the criticism, delete Twitter if you have to, just focus focus on yourself and and fulfilling your r- ludicrous potential.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just mainly the state of social media, and uh, well, you go on social media, and any fan base, not just Liverpool, not just football. You know, you can even see it like musicians. that can get a little bit um, tribal sometimes. It's people just trying to point score. You know, they'll point out all these all these flaws, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, Nunez miss hits a pass. It's evidently a cross. Um I'm more upset with the player that he actually put the cross into because there was no effort to get to the ball. Um I mean he, he could have got to it but again it doesn't really matter it's training. These are the places that they work on these things and Nunez has hit the ball on target before he scored goals for Liverpool. It's it's all a bit daft. Um, I don't I don't partake in it myself. Um, but then again, I'm I, I've not, I'm not a target like Nunez is. So there's no doubt that he sees it all. Hopefully, and he seems to be the kind of character that will probably laugh it off a little bit. You know, he seems to have a little bit of arrogance about him, a, bad, a little bit of self belief. Uh, you know, which is a quality that we've seen in players like uh, like like Curtis Jones and Daniel Sturridge in the past. They they know how good they are. So. You know, hopefully Nunez has got that bit about him as well. And he just sort of like, you know, watered off a duck's back type thing. Hopefully it's not eating him up inside. I mean, his performances on the pitch have been okay. You know, we can talk about the red card, but that's probably completely unrelated to this kind of discussion that we're having here. But, you know, he's he seems like a positive player. Um, obviously, he's, he's he's you know world class uh, if he's not already in the, in the eyes of of everybody. Um, certainly, Liverpool fans can recognise that he's a world class striker. Hopefully, he goes on to prove doubts wrong. But yeah, I mean, the Erling Haaland stuff was always they were always going to be compared to each other. Like Pete Serby signed Liverpool and Man City signed uh, two very you know similar strikers, big fellas up front who are you know quite good feet. Uh, so, you know, they're always going to be compared to each other, which, you know, is slightly unfair. But you see it all the time. Like when Liverpool signed Van Dijk and then Manchester United signed Harry Maguire, there was comparisons there. Obviously, Maguire's on the wrong end of the stick there. And, you know, he's he's suffered for it. He's basically the biggest meme in the Premier League, you know. And he's been fairly OK for them, to be honest. He's not been amazing like Van Dijk has been for Liverpool, but he's been a serviceable defender for for Manchester United, but obviously he's not been the uh, player that they would have expected, and it was similar as well when we signed Thiago, they signed Bruno, there was comparisons there. Obviously, both both teams done well in in that respect, and yeah, it's the same now. You know, Liverpool signed a big striker, Man City signed a big striker, and the comparisons are getting made, which is very harsh for Nunez, I think, because, you know, just a few months prior, he was getting compared to Mbappe, who's obviously they are both prodigies in football, whereas Nunez is, you know, world-class, if not potential to be world-class. And he's a very, very good striker. But to be comparing him pound for pound with Haaland is is unfair because Haaland is very clearly the next best. I mean, he probably is already there, but he, we're, we're talking about the next Lewandowski, you know, whereas Nunez... You know, I mean, he could turn out to be an absolute world-beater, but I think he'll be a world-class striker for Liverpool. And like Pete said, I'm not worried in the slightest. And I just hope that Nunez isn't. He's probably got people around him. I mean, playing for Liverpool, a lot of pressure. No doubt there's people at the club that'll turn around and say to him, ignore these idiots online, just focus on your game. At the end of the day, it's people sat off behind the keyboard that are given it all that. You know, Nunez is in the training ground. He's on the football pitch. He's living the dream, wearing the kit. He's doing it. He knows he's, you know, above all that kind of stuff. At least you'd, you'd hope so.
0: I mean, if I was cop-analysing that footage, I'd be quite impressed. You know, he wins the ball back, high up the pitch, Um Feeds the ball off; it doesn't quite work out for him. But I think, you know, all in all, that's a pretty good passage of play. Um, but that's just us, I'm sure. Um, before we move on to our final topic, I'm reliably informed that Pete has a quiz for us. So, welcome everyone back to the Pete Quiz. Oh yes, we are back.
2: It's been um, it's been a, it's been a long few weeks without it. I'm sure you've all been missing it as much as I have. Um, as it's international break I thought I'd ease everyone back in with a, a Liverpool international related quiz I can't go too heavy because we have got a, a World Cup coming up where I will have to fill some gaps with more World Cup related content for you all but in the meantime I've got a simple back and forth a game of tennis between you two no lives, just keep going 2018 World Cup in Russia six Liverpool players played in the competition all you got to do is name them take a turn apiece and um, let me see if I've got a coin. Uh, if, if, obviously the six it goes to a tiebreaker. If not, and I do have a tiebreaker question, but you just it's first one to get what is that? Four wins, yeah. So four's the winner. But just keep going until you're bored or till we get all six or whatever. But yeah. um Steve, heads or tails? Uh,
1: heads, please. I can confirm.
2: It's tails. Farrow, right. would you like to go first or second? <laughs>
0: Uh, go on, Steve. I'll let you. I'll let you go first. Cool. Um, so
2: guess anyone. No lives. Yeah. Off you go.
1: Nice, Jordan Henderson.
2: Jordan Henderson is correct. One nil over to Farrell.
0: Oof. Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, is it too early. And any internationals, isn't it? It's not. Sorry, it was not. Not just Anyone the. Anyone in the World Cup? The World Cup twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Um, Dayhan Lovren. Six
2: players played. Yes. Dejan Lovren is correct. Done. One one. Junior Van Alden. Gini Van Alden, is a
0: wrong answer. Ooh, so far ooh, 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 ooh. Um, I'm gonna say. Ah. Oh. So we've got Dejan Lovlin. Fabinho?
2: Fabinho is incorrect. Oof. Back to you, Steve.
1: Roberto Firmino.
2: Roberto Firmino is a correct answer. Firmino. And ooh.
0: So back to Farrell. 2-1 uh, to Steve. Oh, I can't remember this one. We'll see if that was he? Russia. I've got one and I'm going to look like an idiot and I've got it wrong <laughs> um, I, I would have said uh, no no um, a big one is it, can't it let get a lead. Van Dijk Virgil Van Dijk is a wrong answer Off.
2: Van Dijk is incorrect 2-1 to give yourself a two point lead so um... we've had Dejan Lovren Henderson and Firmino are correct Fabinho Weinald and Van Dijk are incorrect. Mo Salah? Mo Salah? Is the right answer. Correct. You need one more to win. Over to for Is it Jordan Shakiri? Wrong answer. Oh, I would. It's been poor. Shakiri is wrong. Back over to stage. This one can give you the win. 2018. Um Lovering, Hendo, Firmino and Salah. 2018.
1: Um, Laris Karius. Wrong answer. Mm. No, please, uh, for Karius. I thought he might have made the bench or 3rd
2: row? Alison. Alison Becker is incorrect. So my stats are based a... on LFC history here. I'm worrying that I'm going to be wrong, but I can, I'll <laughs> give you all the links so you can come at me. Who is it? <laughs> Who's but there anyway, so we are. So we've got. There's still one, two, three, four. There's still two more, and they're they're not obscure. is what I would say. Can we not ask for positions?
1: Um, or is that too much? You can't, but Farrell can. <laughs>
0: oh, right. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I reckon a young Trent might have been in that team. Are you going to say Trent, or is that just what you reckon? I'm. Uh, I'm going to say Trent.
2: Yeah. Trent Alexander Arnold. Gives you the victory. That's a correct answer. Going uh, yeah. so yeah. to carry on playing. One, I think... two, three, four, five. At the last one. Yeah, that's for the position. Can you, can you give us the position? Um, forward. A forward. Yeah. Forward. You can just both guess because oh, you're mind. not playing for anything here. You can
0: just. You
1: can
0: just no. No. Harry Wilson.
1: No. Whew. A good chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it out. No, wait there. Did, did Senegal get there? Mane? Sadio Mane. That'll oh,
2: yeah. yeah, so according to this, we've got Firmino, four games all off the bench, one goal. Dejan Lovren, seven games, lost in the final. Trent, one game in the third, fourth place playoff. Hendo, five games, obviously for England. Saleh, two games, two goals for Egypt. Mane, three games, one goal for Senegal. Both never got through the group. I hope that's correct. Come at me, or come at LFCHistory.com, and I'll send you the link if there's a problem. Thanks, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely battering online. <laughs> Thank you for playing. Well done, <laughs> Steve, and um, yeah, nice to be back. That was
0: the peak quiz. <laughs> oh, feeling feeling a, a bit rusty <laughs> but congratulations to the. It's been a long, long while. We've missed it. I'm sure we'll have it back. Just finally, before we all say goodbye, um, how are we all feeling, gents, about Liverpool after the international break? Um, so obviously the two postponements. Um, those you, I don't know if you've been hiding under a rock, of course, but we've missed out on Wolves and Chelsea. Both fixtures uh, postponed um, to some time later in the second half of the season. It's going to lead to a lot of fixture congestion. Um, but... Now oh, it's actually quite beneficial for Liverpool, I'd say. Uh, pl- plenty more time in training for those who don't have international commitments. Time to rest, time to welcome back injured stars. Um, it's, it's looking a lot better, actually, already. You know, We've got Henderson back, we've got Thiago Alcantara back. The likes of Oxlade-Chamberlain and Abby Kaita shouldn't be too far behind um, come October 1st when we play against Brighton at Anfield. Um, I suppose, Steve, is there any concern about... The midfield still, in particular, a sense of over-reliance on Thiago. Um, Do you feel that, you know, even if Thiago were to get injured again, Liverpool could still reasonably cope um, without him? Or would it be a case of a repeat of what we've witnessed at the start of the season? Yeah, I mean,
1: there is is definitely a risk. But, I mean, you know, these lads, albeit one year older, are, you know, like Pete said before, it's that team that went so close to to winning the, the quadruple you know, you've got to have faith in these lads. You know, form, form is not forever. Uh, obviously, the, the famous, um, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent. I've, I've no doubt that these players have still got it. They've not all suddenly just fallen off a cliff. Um, you know, remember how many games we played last season. That was a tough slog for the players as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there probably is a bit, of, a bit of a reliance on Thiago. I think there might be some sort of mental barriers that some of the players might need to go through. You know, hopefully the likes of Elliot and Cavallio can help uh, add that creative spark in midfield. We're yet to see, you know, a great deal of Arthur. I think, I think Arthur could be a surprise uh, in midfield. You know, he's got that creative flair that I think we've been lacking. I think, you know, if you have that destroyer in midfield like Fabinho, you know, Henderson's capable of doing it too. Playing with. Um, Thiago and Arthur, or even you know a bit of a less creative spot like Henderson and, and Arthur, or, or Kita getting put back into the fold. You know, I think there could be a little bit of a surprise there. Um, you know, expectations are fairly low. I think on Arthur. You know, we, he's just been basically brought in to fill a gap that we obviously have in midfield. Uh, I think what we're seeing at the minute with the injuries to some players uh, and just sort of the slight drop off is, um, you know. We're sort of feeling a bit more now. Um the whole of Jeannie Vine has left in the squad. Um sadly he's injured at the minute quite quite badly, but you know, during his time at Liverpool, you could rely on Vine every single week to be one available and two to put in a solid performance. The midfield lads this season, I mean, they know better than everybody that they've they've underperformed. Um I'm not really overly concerned. Uh, oh, I should say that exception of Thiago yeah. Way young lads, they, they've been, you know, particularly uh, uh, outstanding. It's it's, it's more um, Henderson, Fabinho and, and to a lesser extent, Milner. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not overly worried. The break is a positive, um, you know, it's a blessing in disguise, if you like. Um put the shoe on the other foot if we were smashing it like Man City where we'd be talking, you know, the other way around. We'd be saying, oh, this might disrupt our form. You know, I mean, let's be honest, they'll probably just power through anyway. But for us, it disrupts that kind of, you know, we've been stagnant, particularly in midfield. We've been misfiring. It gives us a time to recollect ourselves, players to come back from injury, get more training sessions in. And yeah, I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise. I mean, couple of weeks ago, might have even been a couple of months ago now, actually, we were discussing um, the break that the World Cup is going to offer, saying that that um, could be a positive for us in this season, to break up the season a little bit, you know, give us a little bit of time to, you know, recuperate a little bit, um, you know, the players that aren't in action as much and the players obviously won't be in, in action as much uh, regardless. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise for us to have this break. The players are going to come back in and... You know, the players right now will be wanting to prove themselves because they're sitting in a position where they shouldn't be. They know that they are, you know, on paper, the best team in the league. Um, Man City, obviously, can stake a claim to that as well. That's fine. I'm biased. I'm a Liverpool fan. Liverpool's the best team in the league. I don't really think people could argue that we're much off that anyway. Uh, certainly, we've we've been pushing Man City the hardest over the last few years. So, yeah, long-term, not worried. Short-term, the break does us a favour. Uh, I'm not really worried about the midfield lads, and I think Arthur is going to be a, a nice surprise. But the stakes are pretty low for him anyway. I don't really think there's too much pressure. But all the stuff that we're hearing behind the scenes—that he's, you know, doing psychological stuff, he's putting in the extra hours. You know, it looks like he's really grabbing this chance by the scruff of its neck, which isn't a big surprise. You know, his situation at Juventus wasn't particularly fruitful, although it did start off quite impressive. His highlights real looks very good, uh, but his time there. Obviously, it was a bit up and down, uh, ending on a down towards the end. So, hopefully, he can prove everybody wrong. But, yeah, no, long
0: term, I'm I'm not too worried. Uh, the break will do us a favour. A potentially nice surprise from Artemello, as you put it there, Steve. I mean, Pete, how much of a surprise should we be expecting? Because, you know, as Stee's rightly pointed out, he's done a lot of catching up over the break. He's hired external help in the form of a fitness coach, a nutritionist, Um so he's he's working on himself as as much as he possibly can. You know he's committing to under twenty one games to to to, me, to bridge that gap he's got to the the Liverpool stars right now. Um, we know there's a fantastic player in there. You know I don't think both Barcelona and Juventus invest in a in a play like that unless there's a quality talent there. We've obviously you've written yourself on Lionel Messi previously comparing him to uh, former team mate Xavi, who of course now manages Barcelona. Um, it, it's a bit of a far cry now, of course. From what that initial, when that initial prediction came, about four years ago, I believe. Um, but the player is 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 still there, and I think from anyone who's seen the highlights from him filing out against Rochdale for the under twenty ones, you know, even from looking at his passing range, his general sort of intelligence, his movements, you know, yes, it's it's against, uh, with all due respect to Rochdale, uh, lower quality sort of opponents compared to the Premier League. Um, but if he's putting in the fundamentals, and you, you can see. How he would contribute um, in in the senior side? Do you think that uh, from October first is when we're going to really start to see what he can offer, or do you think it's just going to be a very sort of slow, gradual sort of investment in the first team?
2: I don't think he's going to be like thrown straight in after the international break, but I think he probably knows that as well. But you just got to applaud the efforts he's putting in. You know, it's easy to say in a all the players care, and obviously, I'm sure they do, but. To do something like that when there's no doubt he would have been offered, he could go and and go and enjoy a holiday if he wanted to. And you know, we've seen a lot of the players travelling around the world. You know, he, he obviously wasn't selected for Brazil. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. There in the back of his mind, he's still thinking if I if I smash it for the next couple of months, there's always a chance, and there is, and he'll know it's my you to it is, but he knows that if, if he can prove to Klopp that he's you know the player that he was or the player that he could be, there's no reason he can't get an our team, and there's no reason he can't then. Go and get to his national squad. You know, once that opportunity, which probably will pass him by, it'll be after the World Cup again. He's got another break. So he's basically got, you know, two months on, two months off type thing before his it, Liverpool career will properly start. And he's going to be doing everything he can to to make sure that we sign him. You know, he, he's on trial, isn't he? He's only on loan. And although it was all that stuff, there's no option to buy it. And we discovered that there is one written into the contract. Then, you know, it, you know it's clear that this is where he wants to be. This is. This is an opportunity he wants to take with both hands. And that's the type of player he wants at the club. You know, we'd say you don't play for Barcelona, you don't play for Juventus unless you've got something about you. And, you know, I think he, I watched the game against Rochdale, the full thing, and he was just him and Bajetic, if that's how I say it again, sorry. Um, they just looked really tidy on the ball, and you could see, you know, we can't trust Tiago to play every week. Unfortunately, he'll be won here when he's boss. You know, just having that that clever player on the ball who keeps the ball ticking over, keeps the passing going. I think he definitely could get in that squad if if we're resting a Thiago and you know you play him against maybe a deep a deeper field a uh, defence you know, someone else who could put like ten men behind the ball, you could see him doing something clever with it and yeah i just I was impressed with how confident that he looked and how assured he was and it's yeah all you can do is applaud him you know it's similar to what Nunes has done he he wanted to cut his break short to go and, and join the Uruguay squad early and you know Arthur's done the same he hasn't took holidays decides to put his head down and work harder and the more players you've got like that the better and it just shows that you know a lot of people are, are pointing to issues within the squad and whatever they're all pointing the same way they're all working so hard for each other and that can only lead to good things it just it might not be instantaneous but hopefully before the World Cup and after we will, we will we'll reap the rewards of what all the lads are doing.
0: A handy break for Liverpool Football Club with Artemelo set to benefit. I think that's a pretty good place to end it. We'll be very excited to see what the Brazilian can potentially contribute um, from October 1st onwards. It'll likely be Thiago starting, but wouldn't pass Klopp to hand our Brazilian loan signing a few minutes uh, against Brighton Hove Albion at Anfield. We're all greatly looking forward to the return of domestic football, uh, which is a little over a week Away, thankfully, we're counting down the days. Uh, we've been Peter Kenny Jones, Steve Carson. I've been your host, keel and this has been the Empire of the Cop podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast you happen to be using. And of course, we'll be publishing the full conversation on our Substack. Uh, be sure to catch us again next week, where we'll be previewing a trip—not well, a trip, beg your pardon—Brighton and Hove Albion's trip to Anfield for our first domestic clash since the international break. Take care.